Welcome everyone to a post-Canadian Thanksgiving edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in to the show today. If you have any thoughts on the program, I am on social media, Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And you can find their producer, Tommy Fresh, on Twitter at Wasted underscore Talent. Again, X's where the A's would be. This is going to be a big hockey show today as we get ready for the upcoming season. That show is tonight. I am seeing in my notes that I wrote Monday. Hopefully you are uh, all recovering from some hearty Thanksgiving meals on uh, Thanksgiving Monday as we are back to work on a Tuesday. Uh, So today, going to do it in the same format that we did the NFL preview, where we are just going to go team by team over under predictions and then do some playoff stuff. This is going to be a two-parter because we are going through the uh, the whole league and there's some stuff I want to touch on at the top and then we'll get into playoff predictions at the back end. So this, what you're listening to now, is part uno. Of the uh, of the NHL breakdown, we're going to get into that in a minute. But a couple of major storylines from the weekend, and we start with the John Gruden situation. For those who have been living under a rock, John Gruden has resigned as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after investigations into the Washington football team found that Gruden was sending some pretty awful stuff in emails, and as more details came out, the more apparent it was going to be that Gruden was not going to see the end of that 10-year, $10 million contract. To get into the football aspect of this would be to just whistle past the graveyard of the the real situation here, and I thought Mina Kimes summed it up very well, is that you can have these people in authority who can say the nice things in public, and unfortunately, that's progress, but when... The real change happens is when they start to believe what they're saying in front of the camera once they get away from the the bright lights that are, or that that is the NFL media. And clearly, that was not the case here with John Gruden. And it'd be one thing, oh, it was 10 years ago. So, well, people can change. Um, I, I still think there should be repercussions for this because as we've talked about before, I certainly do believe in second chances, but you got to lose the first chance first. And Gruden hasn't because of this behavior. And so I I did think that even before the other day that this was probably going to end with Gruden losing his job. I was surprised he was coaching the Raiders on Sunday with everything that was going on, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. But this was behavior that was spanning for seven years, right? Like this was, this had been going on up till 2008. Um, and you can say what you want about, oh, how society is different from 10 years. It ain't that different for three. I mean, like the world is because of the whole pandemic that we're still living through. But in terms of this stuff, it's never been okay, but a little bit more accepted by some. Uh, 2018, not that far ago. So this is behavior that absolutely should be punished. And I, I do think that a a fine punishment was levied here against the the coach of the Vegas Raiders. And I don't want to make this sound like I'm trying to gloss over what Gruden did, but I am going to suggest that at the other end of those emails weren't people saying, oh, John, how could you be saying something like this? That's terrible. What an awful thing to say. You should change your behavior, sir. 
I'm thinking this is just kind of tip of the iceberg sort of thing. Or as Jim Trotter said today on NFL Network, this is just a small tree in a large forest. And it is a tree that deserves to be cut down. Do not mistake this uh, for a second as me saying, oh, well, someone's going to be doing it worse. Don't care. Everyone deserves to be punished in this. That This is, again, when we talk about sports being inclusive and sports being for everyone, this laughs in the face of that. And while people love to shit on what the Raiders have become, and that's, from a football standpoint, abundantly fair, this has always been a team that, like, the the whole just win baby thing, that was, it becomes mocking now, but there was a bit of a positive there for a while, where it was, uh, if Al Davis thought the coach that could help him the most was a black coach, even when people weren't hiring black coaches, Al Davis was going to hire that black coach. The the Raiders, for all of their flaws, and they are countless, one thing that this organization, at least publicly, has never been is discriminatory. They they have, I mean, that was one of the things that was applauded when you had Nassib come out as, um, as an openly gay player this year. It was, okay, well, this is... Uh, another in a line of the Vegas Raiders being maybe a bit more accepting than others. And when you look at the demographics of the NFL and you look at the demographics of the, the Raider fan base, whether it be in Vegas or previously in Oakland, there are a lot of people that apparently over the last decade, John Gruden's had some real shitty things to say about. And even if the entire fan base and team was just a white blizzard, these things are still not okay. They were never okay, and they are never going to be okay to say. The the, the justice that has been handed down, I, I think is fair, and I also unfortunately think it's only the beginning. Moving into the boxing world, we're going to have more on this fight coming up on Fight and Football Friday or Football and Fight Fridays when we talk about people punching each other in the head and then tackling each other. Um, But just a quick one, Fury Wilder, I'm not breaking news here, unbelievable fight. And Tyson Fury moves up another notch in the the all-time heavyweight ranks. I don't think that he is... Uh, in the all-time, all-time, all-time category, where we're we're not getting ready to wipe a face off of Mount Rushmore here, but this is huge. And the the big thing with with mental health being in the forefront over the last little week, as we talked about here with National Depression Screening Day and uh, National Mental Health Day was over the weekend as well. This is an incredible story. A guy who was getting toward the top of the mountain and essentially just had a giant meltdown. Uh, mentally was not great. Physically, certainly things got away from him. He balloons to 400 pounds, has some pretty severe mental health issues, and he has turned it around and not only just turned it around and, oh, wow, look at this. He's won a couple of fights, whatever. He has turned it around and has exceeded any bit of potential anyone could have thought for him. This is when you are someone who, like me, has struggled with mental health issues and you are looking for kind of a, a shining light example. Again, as a human being, there are certain flaws that Tyson Fury has, no doubt. But from a, this is someone who had some mental issues, had some physical issues, and worked through it, and came out the other side, not only feeling better, but just as a better person, this is quite an inspiring tale. Again, Don't do a ton of Googling on the guy because you're going to find he says some things that you're not super proud of either. And that is very much unfortunate. But just from a overcoming mental health 
and overcoming that stigma. If the heavyweight champion of the world has some issues battling mental health, I think it's safe to say that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Let's get into the NHL previews now. As the NHL season starts tonight with a trio of games, we will see the Seattle Kraken on NHL ice in regular season fashion for the first time. We will see a banner raising in Tampa Bay, so it's going to be a fun, fun night. Let's start in the Atlantic Division, and let's get my notes ready as I was wildly unprepared for this. And again, I could be editing this out, but I'm not going to. Let's just go with the Boston Bruins, and we are starting with a bang. The Bruins over-under comes in at 103.5. They are minus 600 to make the playoffs, plus 375 to miss. They're at plus 1,400 for the Cup, plus 600 to win the Eastern Conference, and plus 350 to win the division. They lose David Krejci in the offseason. Tuka Rask is out as the goalie, at least for now. He's in a little bit of limbo. They do keep a couple of deadline acquisitions in Riley on the blue line, pairing him with Carlo. And the big one is Taylor Hall on that left wing side. You know the strengths of this Boston Bruins team. They are going to be fundamentally sound. That top line is probably going to be spectacular, albeit two parts of it are in their high 30s. There is going to be a point where this thing breaks down. And the, the concern I have about this Boston Bruins team this year, I like Charlie Coyle. I love Charlie Coyle as a third-line center. As a second-line guy, I have my concerns. It just seems like after Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak, which, again, is the best top line in the league, and so there is obviously going to be some fall-off, but it falls off a cliff. Like, Hall, fine. As a, a second-line guy, that, that's, that, that is very, very good. Coyle as a second-line guy, eh. Smith is a second-line guy. Fine, but not fantastic. And then the third line with DeBrus, Kala, and Felino. now we're getting into fourth line territory. Like, it, it feels like they have five, they have four top six players, and they have five fourth line players. That just, it feels like a bad combination for me. I think, and we'll get to them in a little bit, I think we were a year too early, I was a year too early on the fall of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe that'll end up being the case for me on this one. I think I'm going to be... I, I'm going on the fall of the Boston Bruins. Maybe I'll be a year too early, we'll see. But on 103.5 just seems really high with Linus Allmark as your number one goalie. So I am going under for the Boston Bruins at 103.5. One thing I noticed coming into this, there's not a lot of teams I love this year. I don't know what it is. Um, I think part of it is like one of the teams that I was really getting excited for was the New York Rangers. And then they went in an entirely opposite direction. But there doesn't, and this means that there's probably going to be a surprise, but there's just a lot of, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. And it does also kind of feel like there's a lot of teams that are a year away. Now, I think another aspect of this that we need to understand, and it's something we're going to get into with a couple of players here and a couple of teams here, Last year was really weird. The last two seasons have been really, really weird. And so we don't know how some of these guys are going to develop in what is going to largely be a regular season in the NHL. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Boston. This one will be easy. Buffalo Sabres, 68.5. They could have made this total eight, and I probably would have gone under. I think this is a dreadful hockey team. I think this is barely a professional hockey team. And if anyone does anything on this squad this year, then they'll probably be traded. This is the start of something new for the Buffalo Sabres yet again, under 68 and a half points. The obvious storyline with this team is what happens with Jack Eichel. He has played his last game with the Buffalo Sabres. I am convinced of that. 
as far as what he does beyond and what they're able to get, I don't think it's going to matter. This team is bad, 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 bad. Rasmus Dahlin, one of the only reasons to, to watch this team, to be honest. And maybe to see if Dylan Cousins can take a step this year with Buffalo. So there's a couple of things to watch, but I'm going to suggest by the time even December comes around, unless they're playing my favorite team, I ain't watching the Buffalo Sabres. The Detroit Red Wings, uh, total at 79 and a half. They are plus 600 to make the playoffs, minus 1,200 to miss. They are at plus 20,000 to win the Stanley Cup, plus 10,000 to win the Eastern Conference, and plus 10,000 to win the Atlantic Division. They haven't won a playoff series since 2013. This team interests me, and they are one of the ones where I kind of feel like they are a year away. They are trending in the right direction, but to suggest this is a 500 hockey team this year? I mean, maybe when, when we look around the league, in the early going, I had this, oh, this is going to be under 79 and a half. But then when you look at it, it's like, who's, who is objectively better than Detroit this year? There are quite a few teams. This is not a playoff team. Don't get me wrong. But as far as 500 team goes, I might be able to see that. You might be able to convince me of it a little bit. I am going under 79 and a half. I think you need best case scenario. Out of some guys, like, I think you need Lucas Raymond to reach all of his potential right away. And I I think you need someone to figure out what they are doing as a, a centerman behind Dylan Larkin. And on that blue line, like, you again, you, you need a big step forward from Sider. And in goal, you need Nedeljkovic to be a legitimate number one. It just feels like to hit the over on 79 and a half, you need a lot of things to go very, very, very well for Detroit. So I, I just, I don't see it this year, but I, I think when we're doing this next year, we're talking about, oh, look at this, another very good team in the Atlantic division. On that note, the Florida Panthers at 101.5, they are minus 450 to make the playoffs, plus 300 to miss, plus 2000 to win the cup, plus 900 to win the Eastern Conference, plus 400 to win the division. They were the darlings of last year. They were at a 116-point pace. You have a bit of potentially a step back in goal as Drieger leaves for the Seattle Kraken. A lot of reports would indicate Spencer Knight is going to be the guy behind Bobrovsky. I, I think Knight's going to be very good, but I don't know if he's going to be very good this year. The thing that gets me about this Florida Panthers team, we have seen in this city how relying on Sam Bennett to get you to that next level can be a little bit concerning sometimes. And I, I just, to think that he's just going to be locked in what that guy that he was with Florida going all season, we've just, we've never seen that from him before. And, like, you love the high-end talent on this team. Verhege, Barkov, Huberto, um, Ekblad on the blue line. When Bobrovsky is right, there are few better. There are a lot of players on this team that you like. But, again, you're relying on Reinhardt, who... Has had a couple of good seasons now, so you can at least believe it a little bit. And then you're relying on Bennett, who I, I don't know if I believe it. It just it feels like you're relying on guys again to 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 reach their full full potential for 82 games if you're getting at 101.5. So I went under on Florida. I still think they're a playoff team, and we'll get to playoff predictions in part two. But I, I went under on them. The Montreal Canadiens are an interesting one to break down in this format, as their over-under totals and their make-miss lines are not available on Bodog, uh, as the Carey Price situation continues to unfold. They are plus 2,800 to win the Cup, plus 2,000 to win the Eastern Conference, and plus 3,500 to win the division, which I thought was interesting. First, the bad. 
Uh, Carey Price is gone and we don't know when he is coming back. And we hope for nothing but the best for Carey Price. Shea Weber is gone. We know he will not be coming back this season. Those are steps back. Kakeniemi leaves. A lot of the good vibes around this team go away when they drafted a dude who said, hey, I got some shit that I'm working through. Don't draft me. Ah, we're going to draft you anyway. On the upside, there's still a lot of pieces on this team I like. Like, I, I still, I, I remember as I was going through these, I was, okay, well, Montreal is not going to be much, so... Let's just get this over with. And you go through, oh, to Foley, Suzuki, and Caulfield. It's a pretty good top line. They add Christian Dvorak in place of uh, Emmy, which uh, in the future may not be a huge boost, but might be a bit of an upgrade now. And it's Druen, Dvorak, and Anderson. Well, that's pretty good. Armia, Evans, Gallagher was the worst line of play against last year. And then Lekkanen, Paquette, Perot. You know, this is still a pretty good team. Um, the, the obvious hole on the blue line with Noche Weber is going to hurt, but I do think upgraded roles for players like Rome or for a player like Romanov is going to help this team take a step. And then in goal, no one is Carey Price, but Jake Allen can make it work for a little bit. He can definitely be your dollar store version of Carey Price. I still think Montreal is a playoff team. I don't know what their point total would have been, but I might've gone over on them. I, I have Montreal making it in to the Atlantic. The Ottawa Senators at 77.5 for the win total, plus 70 to make, minus 1,900 to miss, plus 8,000 to win the cup, plus 10,000 to win the Eastern Conference, and plus 15,000 to win the division. This is another retooling year for for Ottawa. I think they now have, I don't think they're bottoming out again. Uh, They're certainly not bottoming out in this division because Buffalo, again, as we discussed earlier, real, real bad. Uh, as far as being a 500 team goes, they might be. Um, people seem to like Pinto a lot more than I do. So if if he can take a step as your second line center, then maybe you're feeling all right about this top six. That blue line, I still think, needs a lot of work. You're, you're getting, you're just relying too much on guys like Zaitsev and Delzato. And then the goaltending situation is an absolute dumpster fire that is sitting on a train wreck. So I don't think Ottawa is able to get to that 77.5. Um, I had some of these highlighted for like what are what my kind of best picks are. Uh, I'm gonna highlight that one now because I just I don't see it for Ottawa this year. They're trending in the right direction, and I think we're still a couple of years away for Ottawa. That this is possibly a step forward for them, but yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing it. And again, the the Brady Kachuk situation kind of hangs over everything there. Tampa Bay, the total is at 108.5 for points. They are minus 1600 to make, plus 700 to miss, plus. 550 to win the cup, plus 350 to win the Eastern Conference, plus 165 to win the division. This is still a stupid good hockey team. They lose a bunch in the offseason, as we expected them to. This is still, I think they have the best coach in the league in John Cooper. I think they have one of the best goalies in the league in Vasilevsky. That blue line is still solid, solid, solid. Hedman, Ruda, McDonough, Chernak, Sergachev, Bogosian. So it falls off at six. Who doesn't in the NHL? And this forward group... Palat, Point, Kucherov, Kalorn, Sorelli, Stamkos as your top six. The bottom six is not what it was a couple of years ago. There is no downing that. And could that come back to bite this team in the playoffs? Maybe. But for now, this is still the best team in the Eastern Conference talent-wise. I will take the Tampa Bay Lightning at the over. 
of 108.5. And we close things out with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their win total comes in at 106.5, minus 1,400 to make, plus 650 to miss, plus 1,100 to win the Cup, plus 550 to win the Eastern Conference, plus 250 to win the division. Matthews is hurt right now, as is Mikhaev, so that's going to hinder them a little bit, and that's why I think they go under the win total. I think this is still the second-place team in the Atlantic Division. They're probably around 100 points. This is one that's going to come right down to the last couple of days of the season to figure out if that total hits or not. But this is still... I think this is a good team. Um, when, when Matthews comes back, this forward group kind of rounds into shape a little bit, but Matthews' injury also highlights that this is not a team that can afford many injuries at the forward position. Like everyone, oh, we need to trade a forward. It's like, okay, well, you kind of only got four of them that you feel that you feel awesome about. And if you lose one, who? It's it just, yes, Matthews, Tavares, Marner are three of the best players in the National Hockey League. So if you were to trade Nylander, then you are your high-end talent is still good. But below that, you get to fourth-line guys real quick. And that has always been the problem with Toronto. But I, I think that this is a, a very, very good team. And this, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say this has to be it. Because I think we've established that they're just going to keep running this back until it works, basically. Like, I, I, I think we've passed a couple of, um... This team is dead. They, they need to, to figure something else out with this group. And they just keep bringing it back every time. So I, I'm going under with Toronto, but I think uh, for Leafs fans, you'll enjoy the second half of our Eastern Conference breakdowns when we get to the playoffs in part two. Metropolitan Division, Carolina at 95.5 points. They are minus 180 to make, plus 135 to miss, plus 1,500 to win the Cup, plus 1,100 to win the Eastern Conference, plus 450 to win the Division. Um, not a team that got a lot more likable this offseason, that's for sure, as with the whole bunch of jerks thing that they had going on over the last little bit. This was a team that had a lot of people's attention. They lose Dougie Hamilton to the New Jersey Devils, which I, I think would have been a surprise, and they replace him with Ethan Bear, which he is a, a lovable character, uh, and Tony D'Angelo, who is not. And before some of y'all get all uppity about political types of things, do I want to host a politics podcast with this guy? No. But even pushing that aside, which is uh, some of the things he says are difficult too, from just a in-the-locker-room standpoint, this is a guy who got into a fist fight with a goalie because his team couldn't stand him. And you had a Rangers team that was looking to win that just thought, this is not a problem we need to deal with anymore. If there is a coach who I think is well-equipped to handle this type of a situation, I do think that it is Rob Brindamore. But in terms of the positive vibes around this team, they certainly take a step back. Um... But otherwise, this is still a really good team. They had Kakaniemi. That top nine forward group is insane. With Svechnikov, Aho, Nikash, uh, Kakaniemi, Trocek, Teravainen, Niederreiter, Stahl, and Faust. This is, this is going to be a skilled team. This is going to be one of the more fun teams to watch in the NHL this season. But it does feel like on that blue line, losing Dougie Hamilton is a big hit. I still think at plus 450, this is the team that ends up winning this division. Um... But I, I do wonder how they're going to handle things in the playoffs. We'll get to that in part two. Not a lot with Columbus. 76.5 is the point total, plus 900 to make, minus 29 to miss, uh, minus 2,900. Plus 12,500 to win the Cup, plus 10,000 to win the Eastern Conference and the Division. There are some players on this team that I like. There are more on this team that I've just never heard of. This is not a great team, and this is a transition time for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I like 
them picking up Bean in the offseason, but there, there's just not enough on this team to like, and especially in what's going to be an ultra-competitive Metropolitan Division and Eastern Conference, they're just going to get left behind. New Jersey Devils are a team that a lot of people are expecting to take a step forward this year at 90.5 points, plus 150 to make, minus 200 to miss, plus 5,000 to win the Cup, plus 2,500 to win the East, plus 1,700 to win the division. They go out and make the big splash, acquiring Dougie Hamilton, uh, they also pick up Thomas Tatar. There are pieces on this team, but I think that jump that people are, um, if you're taking the over on like a Detroit or an Ottawa this year, the jump that those teams are looking to make, I think that's the one the Devils make this year. Like, I, I think, again, I think we're a year away from this being a 90 and a half point team. Like, I, I think they are certainly trending in that direction, but... I still think that there is a year of development to go for this Devils team. So I'm going under 90 and a half on the Devils. I think they will be competitive, but again, I just think they get left behind. The New York Islanders, the total sits at 99 and a half, minus 350 to make, plus 240 to miss, plus 1900 to win the Cup, plus 850 to win the East, plus 300 to win the division. They lose Jordan Everly in the expansion draft. They replace him with Zach Parisi. This is a team that, has been underestimated for a long time, and now everyone is taking them seriously, as one would when a team makes the Stanley Cup semifinals and back-to-back -back seasons. The The forward group, adding um, Kyle Palmieri, is very interesting. I think Bavillier has turned into one of my most favorite players to watch. Um, Pajot, maybe not what he was a couple of years ago, but as a third-line center, you like that a lot. Obviously, this is a very well-run organization. Zidane Chara on that blue line. You don't, I don't think he makes a huge difference, but it's another veteran presence there. I don't know if this is a team that gets over that hump that they've bumped into the last couple of years, but I think they get over that hump of 99 and a half wins. I like the over on the Islanders. New York Rangers, the total is at 97.5. Uh, they are minus 190 to make, plus 145 to miss, plus 2,000 to win the cup, plus 500 to win the division, plus 1,200. Uh, to win the Eastern Conference. I wrote those out of order from what we have normally done. This was a team that was on the rise for a while. And this felt like the offseason to really give her. And instead, they trade Buchnevis away for Sammy Blay. You still look at the rest of this roster, and this is still a good hockey team. Like that top six of Lafreniere, Zabinijad, who just gets the extension, Kreider, uh, Panarin, Strom, and Kako. That's really, really good. And the blue line, like Adam Fox is probably going to get uh, Norris Trophy votes for the next at least half decade. And in goal, Shosturkin and Georgiev, you feel comfortable with those guys. My concern is everything coming out of that organization this year. I do not believe that this is an organization that is going to be committed to playing the style of hockey I think that it takes to win in the regular season in the National Hockey League. I think this is going to be a disappointing year on Broadway for the Rangers. It brings me no joy to say I am at under 97.5 for the New York Rangers. The Philadelphia Flyers made me look like an idiot last year. Uh, their total is at 92.5 points, minus 105 to make, minus 125 to miss, plus 280 to win the cup, plus one, um, plus 1,500, sorry, to win the East, plus 800 to win the division. They make a move in the offseason, trading Voracek away for Cam Atkinson. They also acquire Ryan Ellis. I still, again, I was burned last year. I still think there's a good hockey team here. I think Elaine Vigneault is a good coach. 
I think that top line of Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny is a good line. Farabee, Broussard, Atkinson is a fine second line. I just, I like the forward depth on this team. Um, I'm not a huge Ristolainen guy. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. But I think the biggest one here, and it's been the story in Philadelphia my entire lifetime, can this team get a save when they need it the most? Carter Hart, uh, Carter Hart sorry, fell off of a cliff last year. I'm expecting a bounce back. I'm going over 92 and a half for the Philadelphia Flyers. I just, I can't quit them. The Pittsburgh Penguins at 97 and a half points. I have them at minus 150 to make, min- uh, plus 115 to miss, 2,500 to win the cup, 1,200 plus to win the Eastern Conference, plus 385 to win the division. The main issue hindering this team right now, uh, Sidney Crosby apparently back at practice. That is a good thing. Probably going to miss the start of the season. That is a bad thing. So is Evgeny Malkin. I didn't think this team had the talent to do it last year. And this year now, starting out the season with injury problems, it is concerning. I don't like the goaltending situation. I think this team falls off of a cliff forward-wise. I, again... I think this is the start of the downfall of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I thought last year was going to be, and I was off by a round, but this year, I'm, I'm not, I just, I don't see it with this team. Crosby and Malkin are excellent, and betting against them, I, having done it last year is never fun, but I'm going to do it again this year. I am under 97.5 for Pittsburgh. And for Washington, the total at 95.5 points, minus 135 to make, plus 105 to miss, plus 2,500 to win the cup, plus 1,200 to win the East, plus 550 to win the division. Alex Ovechkin sounds like he might be ready to go now to start the season. Uh, Backstrom is not, but I think that this is a team that if you have to put Eller as your uh, second line center for the first couple of months of the season, I think this is a team that can kind of handle that. There's a lot of I like, I don't love on this team with um, with Washington, but I think that you're going to get a very motivated Alex Ovechkin as a bunch of storylines around him pop up as he continues to make that uh, goal scoring push this season. No Backstrom hurts, and depending on how banged up uh, Nicholas Backstrom is, that is $9.2 million in cap space. If they can go out and make a big type of a move and get a Jack Eichel, and Backstrom just happens to get better for the playoffs, if they want to pull a Tampa Bay Lightning, I think that would be incredibly interesting and would be fun to watch the entire hockey world meltdown for a second year in a row. But overall, I think this is a good team. And this is a playoff team, even with no backstrom, I believe. So I am going to go over on Washington's win total at 95 and a half points. So we have covered the Eastern Conference. Also some not fun stuff off the top. That's going to do it for part one. Part two, which will be coming out at the exact same time. So if you have this one, you should be having the other one. Part two is going to come out talking about the Western Conference. And we will also get into playoff breakdown in part two. So if you want the exciting conclusion to how the Eastern Conference uh, is going to wrap up, listen to part two again, wherever you found part one of this one. So uh, that is it. Thank you very much. Remember, uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. And I will talk to you guys on part two.